This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 150 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and joining me on this Wednesday evening is Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going, mate? Fine, thank you. Good. It's good to be back, isn't it? Or not, maybe. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Slightly shorter than usual episodes. Today we're going to take a look back on our draw with St. Johnson on Wednesday as our cinch campaign gets, I was going to say back up and running, but that might be being a little bit too positive about it. Um Back has resumed. Stumbling. It's resumed. Back up like and stumbling, that. yeah, that's There working. we go. And then after the break, we're going to have a quick preview of Saturday's trip to Gorgia as we take on Hearts at Tynecastle. But first, St Johnston won, Aberdeen won, Wednesday the 24th of January 2024 at McDermott Park in the Cinch. And an unchanged starting 11, Graham, for the third game in a row from Barry Robson. He stick... Stick. He's sticking with the same side that brought him wins and clean sheets against Ross County and Clyde in the Scottish Cup last time out, and it was a I don't know, it was a fairly bright start. I thought from us in the opening ten minutes, got the ball down, knocking it about pretty well. We actually looked almost like a football team for a little while before then. Saints managed to get a foothold in the game, just started to kind of take the sting out of it. A lot of niggly fouls to break things up, and this one just then degenerated into. What is a, a very typical visit to Perth, it's fair to say. Povara, in particular, having a pretty howling final 20 minutes of that first half, uh, gifting up possession on three consecutive occasions. A first half that mustered only one shot between either side, perhaps unsurprisingly ending goalless. And it was Saints, though, who came out the livelier side in that second half. They thought they had the lead just four minutes in as Kerry's volley from the corner of the box found its way past Kelrus at the near post. A really, really, really fucking awful goal to concede but then VAR intervening to deny Saints the opener after what we can only describe as being a soft foul on Jamie McGrath I think in the build up Saints then with another great chance but Roos with let's be fair a great save to deny the Saints striker before the game turned on its head with Aberdeen being awarded a penalty for a foul by Gordon on Rubzic VAR intervening along with John Beaton to hand us a soft looking penalty kick which Miofsky tucked away past the despairing dive of Mitov for his 17th of the season, and then a double sub in the aftermath, Sokler for Povara, Hayes for Barron, as we switched into that all-too-familiar back three slash back five. Jensen then on for McKenzie with 17 to go, and then Graham Shock Horror, despite having had the lead gifted to us, we contrived to throw it all away, a ball swung into the box by Kerry Kelton's getting there ahead of Kelrus, who was an absolute no-man's land on the penalty box on the penalty spot even, and he nodded into an empty net to make it 1-1. Dons then with a couple of chances straight from kickoff. Miofsky unable to convert either. Saints with a couple of efforts on goal. Rubzic booked for a pretty outrageous dive after having done really well to get up the park in a 
run that Jerry Leifel would have been proud of back in the heyday. Rubicic then coming off worse than a 50-50 with McGowan with three minutes plus eight added to go. Sokla with a great chance to win it deep into injury time. His header lacking conviction straight at off, and then Saints hitting the post slash bar in the dying moments from Kucharavi. Full time 1-1 uh, up to seventh. So there is a slight positive here. But we do remain 16 points off Hearts in third. Eight off of Kilmarnock in fourth. So Graham, let's just get down into the fucking nitty gritty of this one here. Stuck with the same lineup from the last two games. Um, similar in a way to large chunks of the Clyde game. The kind of 4-5-1, whilst I think we it, we look a little bit more solid at the back with it, it's causing another challenge in that we're not getting anywhere near enough width out of it. So who'd have thunk that just by chucking a bunch of centre midfielders onto the pitch in one go, that everything would tend to get played centrally. And there's very, very little space to play with such a crowded midfield area. Very little space to play in and against it team that would probably like to pack that anyway so um, you might find a bit more space depending on who you're playing with if they're a little bit more adventurous but today I think we just saw it's just that sort of quagmire approach isn't it where the ball just gets stuck in and around there and nothing's happening and then when it does break to an Aberdeen play you're kind of looking at it and thinking oh where can we go oh right long or basically just try and hold on to it so not particularly exciting and I know what you mean we maybe did look a little bit better at the back, but there's got to be a way to find an overall balance to the team. A couple of times, first half especially, we did see Mackenzie and Devlin getting up the park, throwing crosses. There was a really good ball in by Mackenzie first half. That I think it's Polvara. Just doesn't quite gamble on it making its way across the six-yard box. But that was really it from a width perspective. And the first half, you know, we started well, I thought. I mean, in fairness, I thought we did start the game positively. Um, but the rest of the half was poor. And then we get away with a couple of real fucking howling decisions in that second half. I mean, let's first up, let's talk about that disallowed goal for Saints. I mean, it's a decent hit by Carey, um, but Roos is a lucky, lucky, lucky boy here because being beaten like that at his near post is absolutely criminal stuff, isn't it? Yes, especially when it's obviously when you're, it's a little easy when you're sat in your arse watching it, but it's not like it's <laughs> flying in. You know, it's not a rocket of a hit. It's an accurate shot from in my opinion, the distance is far enough out for the keeper to be seeing that. Uh, and he and sees it the whole accordingly. way. And it, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, sometimes even from that distance, someone absolutely leathers it, you know, it's past you before you know what you're doing. I don't think that was the, that's not what we're dealing with there. I mean, if that, <laughs> that stood, it's almost like one for the blooper reel, isn't it? It really is. And it's that, it's like, it's such a soft decision as well, isn't it? To refer that to beating, to review that on the pitch. I mean, a lot of time with VAR, you'll see a lot of people, you'll see a lot of fans, you know, you won't kind of admit to it when you've really got away with one. But I'm more than happy to suggest that tonight, Saints were really hard done by on that one. And then we'll come up and talk about the penalty in a minute or two. But yeah, we got out of jail big time with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, John Beaton. <laughs> this is the first time and quite possibly the last time you'll ever hear that uttered on this show. And then the penalty kick as well. Again, like another really soft call to award us one here. I mean, I... At the time, I thought, there's no way they're even going to refer that to beating when I saw it. Because it looked like Ruby had made the absolute most out of a little bit of a tap, I think, up on the knee. And as soon as you saw beating, though, wandering off to the monitor, I was like, there's a good chance this is going to get given here. And you're standing there thinking, fucking hell, if I was a Saints fan, I would be, I'd be livid. I mean, obviously, the good thing for us is that we get the goal um, as a result of it. But the only other bonus out of that was just Craig Levine just being as raging as he was. I mean, for that alone, 
worth it. It was absolutely worth it, and, and maybe that's where Beaton was going with it. It's just, ah, it's Levine. Um, and I guess he's obligated to give us something, but just obviously not in a, you know, in a game against them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that. I think therein lies the difficulty with far. Someone looks at that as he did and decides, yeah, that's a penalty. And clearly, as we're looking at you, think, well, okay, you'll take that. But you'd be furious if it was the other way around, which probably leads you to the that's not really that's not really a penalty. No, I don't think so. Uh, but. Having got away with one at one end <laughs> to be gifted it at the other, um, as much as we can go on about was it right or wrong, or you know, is it ruining the game? You, you take everything, of course, absolutely. I mean, the penalty as well. I mean, all credit to Miofsky. Um, it's a decisive penalty against Mitov, a goalkeeper who has saved a couple of pretty sure so far this season. And, and Miofsky from time to time has looked a little bit suspect from 12 yards. I think, did he miss his last one? Was it against Hibs? I think, uh, I think you're right for. You know, for a man whose goal-scoring record is decent and his all-round play, I think it's getting better. To you know, I think we all quite like him as a footballer. Yeah, the penalties have probably let him down if you're being really, really critical. Yeah. But I thought that was a really good penalty. It's one of these ones where it's it's just really, really difficult to get into that spot if you're the you know if the goalkeeper. Uh, it's really, really accurate into the bottom corner, and that is just difficult to reach. And it had to be accurate because that keeper is quite. Quite big, and you know, if that had been, um, if it's not into the corner, he's saving I think it. the keeper's probably getting to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and we'll come and talk about maybe the tactics and everything in a minute or two. But we hadn't started the second half well at all. You get away with two absolutely huge decisions, and you kind of think to yourself, well, that's the type of thing that should really give a team a boost. You know, that should put a team on the up. It should really take and really suck the life out of the opposition as well. Um, We'll come and talk about maybe part of the reason why that happened, but the equaliser for Saints. I mean, what can you say about it from a defensive perspective, in particular from a goalkeeping perspective? What on earth is Kelrush deciding, this is the time, this is the moment to finally take my feet off that line? It's just absolutely woeful. Absolutely woeful. I don't think I've got anything else to add. The worst thing about it is he doesn't even need to come for it. There's two cent. There's two defenders in you know in name dealing with the situation. It's not going to be an easy header for the guy, and you see that if if Roos is standing in his line, he gathers that. He could probably throw his cap on it. Um, it's just that 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 decision making to decide this is the moment. Just is. I don't even know what I don't even know what he's thinking. I don't understand it. I no, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. And I think if, if you're going to do it, you you have to take everything. Yeah, he's got to come and take the opposition. You've got to take everything because uh, I think more often than not, as the keeper, you you get that protection. So you know, as long as you're not going studs first, karate kicking your way through, you're probably well, going to get away McGregor. with it. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're probably going to get away with it, and that's yeah. the way to deal with that. But when you look at it again, I think he. He comes through and then he chickens out of it. Yeah, and that's, I think you're right. that's how the guy gets it. Um, just terrible, terrible decision making. Talk about decision making. I don't want to keep banging on about tactics and shape and stuff. I feel like we do that a lot on here, but you it's do. very pertinent. I do. It's very pertinent again for tonight because, you know, we go a goal up and then Barry Robson's mentality just kicks back in. We switch to a back three pretty much straight off the bat. Shock horror. 
we can see a goal as soon as we go to that. Now, I'm not saying that the back four has been perfect. We touched on it earlier on. That I think it's giving us slightly different problems in the attacking phase. But we had kept two clean sheets in our last two games since, since switching back to, okay, one of them was against Clyde, um, who are obviously rooted to the bottom of League Two. But, you know, you're looking to start to try and build on that momentum from a defensive perspective. Um, and once again, the back three, we've seen it often enough this season, causes us defensive uh, challenges. And I think it's about six minutes, I think, between us making the switch and Saints getting the equaliser. Um, the choices and changes as well. I mean, like Baron and Povara both off. I think Povara coming off was fair enough. I mean, he hadn't had a great game. I don't think anyone could probably um, dispute that. I thought it was interesting the decision to take Baron off. I thought Baron was doing what Conor Baron does, at least try to get his foot on the ball and try to play passes. Um, but in that instance, again, we go to the 3-5-2, but there's no real width added to the team at that point and we just start panicking and start smashing the ball at the park again just absolute fucking garbage stuff and for me it was like the game was crying out for the likes of a Duke or a Mioffs or, or, or even like Morris and I know that people are probably screaming at their car stereos right now when I say that but somebody on the flanks just to get the ball at them and let and give the Saints defence something else to have to think about going backwards instead just what we decided to do is just I don't know it's just it's maddening isn't it yeah but I think that is the <clears throat> That that is the biggest deficiency in our squad is there's no there is no width. Um, I don't you know I don't think there's doesn't really matter which formation we play. There's not really a great deal of width. And if you're looking at the likes of Devlin and McKenzie to create the width, I mean the amount of work they have to get through to do that, with the greatest of respect to them, you know they're not they're not the best on the ball. Their final delivery isn't. Is is nowhere near good enough if that is where you are relying on your your width to get the ball into the the box. And also if and often when they get caught out high up, you know, that just causes problems elsewhere because I you know, I guess it's your midfielders that have to drop deep to cover for that, which obviously means people just plough through your midfield because it's had yeah. to to drop back. So I, I, that is the biggest problem that there's basically no plan B. So like you say it's, we he changes the players around, but it doesn't get rid of the problem, the problem being it's all congested in the midfield and there's no natural width in that team. We can't do anything different and then we just, we end up chucking it up and that's just pointless. I mean, Jamie, Bobby's Soggy's Biscuit, we'd exchanged a couple of messages during the game and you made a good point. It's like the kind of, the setup with the four-five-one. if you had the right, players to play it it's quite an adventurous way to try and look at playing you know if you if you had a couple of real flying fullbacks who could get up and down the line you know really quickly it could create problems for a lot of teams because you could have some real quality in the central areas of the midfield you've got overloading um wing backs or fullbacks sorry up and down the lines you've got options all over the place that could be quite a, a, a difficult thing to defend against but you need the right players and you need players who are capable of doing that and it's also very the the, the 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 paradox of this is that for a guy like Robson who is I think we can all happily admit now is defensively minded at the best of times that sort of formation also if you're going to try and play that way is a very high risk way to try and play for the reason you've just outlined that if your fullbacks get caught too far up the park and there's a quick turnover play you, you're leaving massive holes at the, at the back to be exposed and that's why I don't think we see enough of the fullbacks getting forward because they're not being encouraged to get forward, forward to that extent. It's an odd, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's kind of like saying, right, you guys are the width, so you need to get forward, but you also don't need to get forward because I don't want to get caught out in the break. So you go and figure that out in the game. And yeah. obviously, 
you're stuck between a rock and a hard place as to what you do. And probably those particular players, and this isn't me being critical, their natural instinct is probably to concentrate on the defensive side. Yeah. Um, There's just actually so, a handbrake. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you, you just can't do it every time because you're going to be concerned about it. Yeah, and also, I mean, I understand these you know, these guys are obviously fit and they're professional athletes, but that that is a tough role to be up and down, basically up and down the pitch for 90-odd yeah. minutes. I mean, that, that is a lot of work and that is a lot of distance to cover, uh, which I think brings its own problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many of us have kind of spoken so much about wanting to shift away from the back three or back five, whichever way you want to look at it. And everyone's been rejoicing about the fact we have gone to the back four, but in a weird way, all we've done here is just shuffle the five, the, the bank of five, just one f- place further up the pitch. It's kind of, yep. it's it's the dynamic of the, of, of, of the setup and the system has changed to one extent, but it's just leading to a different problem. I don't think, having the back four is not the problem here. I think the back four is the right way to go for us. So again, I think we're seeing it from a defensive perspective, but just having so many central midfielders now playing in that middle area of the park is just not working at all. And I guess, this is kind of where we're starting to get to the rub of things now, isn't it? I mean, like, let's be honest, we can all see how this is going to end. Um, we've been saying it now for long enough. We've been saying it now since before the the winter break. Um, the FNB clearly aren't going to have the balls to pull the plug at this moment in time. Um, I can see us, or I can't see us, sorry, being able to somehow scrape our way back up to third place this season. I mean, Hearts, I think, have probably wrapped that up now. Um I think we are now, what, 16 points behind Hearts, I think. Um, 16 points with um, three games in hand. So if you're being extremely generous, it still leaves you with seven. Yeah, exactly. Of a gap. And I, I think when you get into the realms of you don't have enough games left against them to overturn the deficit. Yeah. Um, you know, not only is it then out with your control... It just becomes harder and harder. I think. I think that's a, that would be. It'd be wild to do it a second season. It would be wild to do it a second season, and it's unlikely that they're going to, yeah, fall apart because there's probably less pressure on them. Because you know we're not going to come from well, that. It's far. hearts. There's a good chance they uh, might. Well, fall yeah, apart, no, I, right? I understand that. But even if you look around, they've got an eight-point gap to Killy. Yeah, yeah. So they they can afford to mess up for a couple of weeks, and they'll still be third yeah. and then sit there in a little bit further behind Hibs aren't going to do anything about it so there's not going to be the same <laughs> pressure I mean that's true that's the thing as we stand at the moment it would be a bigger a significantly bigger gap than we clawed back last season and last season felt miraculous um, yep and I know you're right if you if you if you are extremely generous and you count the, the games in hand we have as wins then the gap would be um, slightly smaller than what it was um, last season but I just this is where we come to I think we're so inconsistent I think we're so defensively minded I don't see us taking nine from nine out of the um, games in hand we have I, I, and the way I feel at the moment I feel like we struggle to even potentially make the Euro- European spots now um, as the season progresses because I, th- I think Kilmarnock seem to be in a bit of a role at the moment um, McInnes has got them doing what McInnes kind of does best they're, they're pretty solid they've got a good record at Rugby Park um, it's a squad full of kind of journeymen SPFL players but they know what they're doing I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them finish in you know fourth or fifth St Mirren haven't quite had the collapse I think that a lot of us were maybe expecting um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out of the winter break Hibs will probably do what Hibs will do they'll pick up a few wins here or there they'll go on a streak of losing games and then they'll go and win a few more again they'll be up there or thereabouts 
and this is the big problem now is that I think that we're going to struggle to make the European spots is where I feel right now and potentially we have what is on paper and again it's all on paper our best squad in years is effectively being completely wasted here yeah I always find it difficult to look past everyone's view of the squad being good, bad or indifferent. You know, everyone's got, but the, the hard facts are money, generally speaking, talks over the course of a, a league campaign. And we must, in terms of wages and probably the amount we've spent on the squad, if we haven't spent more than hearts, it must be pretty close. So if you basically, if you don't finish third or fourth, I would say you have underachieved from what you've spent. Um, and I just don't see how that can be rationalised or accepted at the club and that's the big problem now isn't it because I mean like tactically Robson's failings are becoming well, I mean they've been apparent for a while now they're becoming more and more apparent as we go this real defensive negative mentality you saw it again tonight as we were 1-0 up it was straight back to changing into try to protect what we had rather than trying to go and really you know put Saints to the sword so to speak Um and I said earlier on, I think we can all kind of see what's going to happen now. There's every chance that we finish three defeats on the spin coming up. We travel to Hearts, obviously, at the weekend. Um, sorry, I'm wrong about that, actually. Sorry, we, we play um, we play Dundee in between that. But there's a good chance, you know, we've got we've got Hearts, Celtic, Rangers all coming up in quick succession over the next few weeks. Um, there's a very good chance that we, 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 we don't pick up a lot of points between now and the middle of February. Um That'll be the moment in which they decide to bite the bullet. And by that point, the transfer window's done. Not that it looks like we're actually doing anything about that at this moment in time anyway. And then we're kind of fucked heading in towards the back end of the season as well, aren't we? It's all extremely depressing and very, very miserable. And is the same as it has been the last three or four seasons. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? Um, and it's all entirely predictable, which is the worst thing. I think we we spoke about this, I think, prior to the Hearts game, I think, um, last time around, where... Is that thing you kind of feel like he'll probably pull out a result out somewhere. You'll get another couple of weeks off the back of it and then this type of thing will happen all over again. We end up back in the, the same cycle. Yep. Great stuff. Lovely. Well, that was good fun, wasn't that? I mean, are you... I think we spoke about before Christmas, but has anything changed in your mind since before Christmas about the Robson's future? Not really. I just think it's inevitable. Like you said... We've got a good enough, in my opinion, there's a good enough team there that we will, you will get results now and again. And I just think we're in this pattern of getting a result here and there. Maybe when you don't expect it with your good performance and everything's, well, you know, okay, maybe, uh, or rather the people in charge think, oh, well, okay, you know, that's a win or two, a couple of clean sheets, maybe things are getting a little bit better. But I don't really see light at the end of the tunnel. And also, I think almost... Um, ignoring whether it's Robson or not, you've got a week of the window to go. And I feel like the, the deficiencies and the failings in the squad would hinder probably anyone. I mean, people have a view of if you got Coach Y, you get much better defence, so you wouldn't be conceding the silly goals and you wouldn't need to score as many, etc., etc. But fundamentally, I just think the way we play or the way we would have to play is just um, it's a little bit one-dimensional and predictable because I don't see any meaningful width in that team. So it's not like I think um, someone else would come in and could do a better job. I think whoever comes in, if someone does come in, is still kind of slightly hamstrung by choices that we made previously and don't look like they're going to be addressed. And, I, you know, I guess there's the argument that is 
is it possible in January? Is it the best time to address it? But it just feels like that is a reason why we're just going to limp along to the end of the season. Yeah, and that, and again, I think we spoke about this before the the winter break as well. But that it was if you're going to do it, you need to kind of do it, you know, before Christmas, before the winter break kicked in. So if you're going to bring in somebody to give them time and to try and bring in even a couple of stopgap signings just in the January window to get to the end of the season, a couple of you know, if, if someone comes on, you want to play four three three or, or kind of four two three one, at least get them couple of wide players that they wanted or to try and integrate the likes of you know uh, Vinny Bajown's a player who I think is getting better with every game that he doesn't play for Aberdeen at this moment in time um, yeah I've seen a lot of people talking about that and I think that's probably fair probably been guilty of that myself like I did I did enjoy him when he did play but yeah probably if I do think back it's not like every game he played I was saying well you know this guy's he's got it He's the answer, so I think it is fair that he does start to look a little yeah. bit better, and we probably just have to accept that you know for whatever reason it's not going to happen because if he's not called upon him now, uh, some of the catastrophic is going to happen. Have to happen injury wise, where yeah. there's literally no one else, so he isn't going to be the answer, yeah. whether people think he should or shouldn't be. But there are, I mean, there are options in the squad if you want to, if if somebody wanted to. I mean, Duke played off the left hand flank for the. The, the first period of his, of his time at Aberdeen and did it successfully in the main I actually prefer to see him playing off the flank a little bit anyway um, Morris I don't think we're ever going to know if Shaden Morris is any good or not unless he gets a proper run of games in the position that he is meant to play in and he's meant to be a right sided winger and I don't think has Morris played has he started two consecutive games in that position since he started for us I don't think he probably has no I'm not sure he has actually, and even um, got like Ryan, Ryan Duncan. Duncan doesn't get a look in now. Not always enjoyed his performances, but it's almost like he does have some options. And I don't know whether he doesn't trust him anymore or doesn't suit what he wants to do. So I, I know what you mean. There are there are options in the squad that you could make a case for to say, well, there is some width on the bench. Uh, but it kind of looks to me like he he doesn't want to go down that route. Yeah, and that's the most worrying. Th- well, I think the thing for me is I think there are options there that even if somebody came in and you're like, look, we can't make a lot of signings for whatever reason, I think there's enough in there that you can try and get something out of is kind of where I'm trying to come from. Yep. Um, I'd like to see us with some more options, but we've paid good money for the likes of Morris. We should give the guy a run and let's see if we can actually turn something out of him. Um, who knows? Anyway, that depressing as fuck again um, this evening in the, in the Scottish Premiership we'll, we'll come back after the break for our preview of Saturday's trip to Gorgie which I'm sure will be really uplifting Graham as always absolutely this episode of the APZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Doan Co on Belmont Street Aberdeen enjoy freshly topped donuts coffee milkshakes soup pies bagels and much much more available every day of the week come along and enjoy their daily deals such as black coffee and a mini donut for just one pound or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver join the guys seven days a week on Belmont street between eight and eight and available 24 7 at yourdonutshop.com Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, Saturday sees us make 
the visit to Edinburgh's southwest for a crunch cinch fixture with hearts. I've said crunch fixture. I wrote that before um, the one one draw with St. Johnson, so maybe it's not quite so crunch any longer. But um, obviously the Jambos currently occupying third spot, eight points clear Kilmarnock after their comeback win over Dundee on Tuesday evening. Hearts also now, we just touched on it in the first half, 16 points ahead of ourselves. But we do remain holding those three games in hand, of course. Uh, Tynecastle, not a happy hunting ground in recent years for the Dons, as is common in this fixture. The home side tending to hold the upper hand, and it was the same earlier in the campaign as Hearts easily took the points with a comfortable 2-0 win for them. In the capital, of course, the reverse fixture was a 2-1 win. For the Dons, you have to go all the way back to May 2017 for our last uh, victory in Gorgia. 2-1 win with goals from Adam Rooney and Anthony O'Connor sealing the points in front of the old main stand for the last time. Uh, since then, we've played Hearts 10 times at Tynecast in the league and three draws is the best that we've been able to manage in that time. Our overall record in the league at Tynecastle played 141, 131, drawn 41, lost 69, a win percentage of just 21.9%. Hearts so far in the league played 22, 112, drawn 3, lost 7. Scored 27 against 20 and at home they have played 11, won 5, drawn 3, lost 3, 4, 14, drawn, tw- uh, sorry, conceded 12, I should have said. Fourth best home record in the league as things stand at the moment. They are unbeaten in their last six league matches coming into this one. Their last defeat in the Premiership coming to the mighty at Pataudry in early December. No surprises, top goalscorer is Lawrence Shankland on 13 in the league. Disappointingly now though, Kenneth Vargas is now their second top goalscorer. Own goal has been demoted down to third place in that list. Uh, 3-2 win over Dundee last time out, having been 2-0 down, does tell you this is probably a hard side now in some good form and good spirit top creator for them is Alan Forrest four assists so far this season in the league he recently signed a new deal with the Jambos as well of their goals 19 from open play 6 from set pieces 2 own goals their 19 goals from open play is overperforming their expected goals of 17.6 but they're bang on the money for set pieces Expected goal, 6.336 scored. Not entirely free scoring, though. They've averaged 1.2 goals per game. That's the midpoint in the league. But they do boast the third tightest defence, conceding just under one a game. They do, though, entertainingly have a 0% penalty conversion rate so far this season, Graham. I know you'll enjoy this type of banter. They've been awarded three, and Shanklin's missed all three of them. Delightful. And there's Hearts fans will tell you that he's a better player than Boyan Miofsky. Anyway, defensively, 15 against them from open play. That's against unexpected goals against of 18.72. So Xander Clark has been doing pretty well, stopping efforts, getting past him. Certainly for Hearts anyway, perhaps not quite so much for Scotland. Mm-hmm. They've only conceded one set-piece goal this season in the league as well. That is by far the lowest in the league. Um, I think the nearest to that is five. Uh, that's coming up against an expected goals against from set pieces of 7.92, which interestingly is the highest in the league. So I don't know what that tells you, apart from it's, they're giving up chances at set plays, but teams just don't appear to be taking them. So um, very bizarre. Anyway, there we go. 3-5-2 for Hearts. Last time out, Shankland up top with Vargas, uh, new signing Limbikisa and Cochrane in the wing-back role. In terms of style, no real surprises. Pretty direct when they want to be. Happy to get the ball down from time to time. We saw them, though, um, at Pataudry. They, they can be got at. This is not... One of those kind of like bullying physical hearts teams of years gone by. Dundee, you know, really gave them a good go first half as well at, at Tyne Castle on Tuesday night. I mean, I don't know about you, Graham. For me, 
if there's any chance of finishing third this season, we need to pick up three points at Tyne Castle on Saturday. Yep. I'd like to see us go there and try not to give them too much respect. I mean, we always seem to end up in this default setting at Tyne Castle, just wanting to try desperately to get a nil-nil draw and come home. But this is not the time nor the place for this on uh, on Saturday. No, absolutely not. We are into, well, probably do or die territory now, aren't we? I think it probably is. I mean, I can't remember the last time we went to Tyne Castle with a real attitude of really trying to win the game and bring the game to hearts. Probably, you're probably looking back to the kind of McInnes team, um, that kind of 20, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 period. I think we kind of often went to Tyne Castle with a real view of trying to win the game. You know, you'd, you'd have McGinn and Hayes causing all sorts of chaos down the wings. Adam Rooney doing what Adam Rooney does best. Since then, though, I just feel we've never really gone to hearts with any sort of conviction about getting a result. And the kind of results bear that out as well. Like I said earlier on, it's been three draws since our last win at Tynecastle back in 2017. So you've really got to hope. I mean, I don't expect it to happen. Do you, that we go there and try to really take the game to them and try no, and get on the front foot? I'm not seeing enough of that approach this season. I don't see why it will change. And should we come out with that with a point I'm sure it'll be oh you know it's a tough place to go and it's a point well yeah but it's another game gone and the gap hasn't moved you know at what point are you going to try and make a play for third yeah hearts aren't going to be I mean they'll want to win the game obviously for obvious reasons yeah but they don't need to but they don't need to exactly that's the thing and a point would be as good a result for them as I think they'd be quite yeah yeah well exactly because then it's just well another game direct game against us basically no damage done Yep. Fine, just puts makes it more unlikely that we could catch them. I guess the interesting question now um, for Saturday is now going to be the lineup he goes with. Um, obviously, Rubic went off towards the back end tonight with what looked like quite a sore injury. I mean, I think whenever you see Ruby just with that look of absolute shock in his face, probably tells you it's a sore one, I think. Um, McDonald came on. Looked a wee bit ropey, but I think that was probably more just because he probably hadn't expected he was going to be coming on now with four minutes to go and yep. was maybe just a little bit undercooked. Um, but we all know Robson's t- mentality. We know his tendencies. I-, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see us go back to the back three slash back five at Tyne Castle on Saturday. And if he does that, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the-, the response on social media if nothing else when the team lines come out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just where we, where we are. I don't know if it's the majority. Certainly, plenty of people have kind of reached the end of their tether. And you know, as soon as the what is perceived to be the the formation that really likes comes out, obviously they will you know they'll be voicing their opinions, and that may or may not be changed at full time depending on what happens. But it just feels more than likely that it hasn't generally worked. So why would it work? I don't know. It just feels right now everybody's just like it feels at the club right now they're all just crossing their fingers and just hoping for the fucking best, which is yeah. not really the way we're running a, a a top flight football outfit. Let's be honest, or indeed any football outfit. <laughs> well, indeed, absolutely right, Graham. Come on, do you think you'll go with the back three? Do you think you'll go back to type? I think you will. Yeah, I'm convinced he's going to do it. Um, if nothing else, just to fucking spite everybody at this moment in time. Um, predictions. Uh, I don't really like predicting Aberdeen to lose, so I'll say one each. One each, and then everybody's, well, not everybody's happy, but um, 
potentially both sides end up being happy as a result of that somehow. Uh, I've got a bad feeling about the weekend as well. I don't know. I just I feel that that's a massive result, I think, for Hearts winning that game 3-2 against Dundee, having been 2-0 down. Yep. That's a huge result just to come back and take that sort of victory. Yeah, and that's kind of funny. You know, it wasn't too long ago, uh, both managers, we nazy, and uh, Robson were both in the basically the same well, almost in the same queue out the door. And one has, I don't know if he's necessarily got the fans on board again, but has been getting I think results right now such he has. that they yeah. can't really be complaining. And that is a great example. You know, you're 2-0 down to a team you'd expect to be at home. People are pissed off, but you turn it around and it's those little bits and pieces where it goes for them. It becomes a 3-2. Everyone's delighted. Great victory. Three goals and a half is pretty good going. Whereas kind of where we are is that stays 2-0 and we don't try and do anything about it you know that, that just kind of feels like there was a point where uh, I don't know if it's that sliding doors moment where one coach kind of gets it together and away they go and we just don't really seem to have addressed any of the deficiencies or the manager hasn't changed the players don't buy into it I don't know what it is but we've just kind of plodded along and they've found a way to get results yeah, and that's all it takes sometimes in this league. We saw it often enough over the last couple of seasons. If you go on a wee run, and as like I said earlier on, they're unbeaten in six. That's the type of run in this league at the moment that gets you that upward trajectory. Um, it doesn't take a lot to spin a few wins together. I mean, the one thing we'd say about our fixtures this season have been a bit weird in that we've tended to have very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of streaky sets of fixtures throughout the campaign. We, we haven't had those types of runs of fixtures which you looked at in previous years where you went that's a run of like six or seven games where you go you could win all six or seven of them we've always tended to have quite a difficult trip away somewhere in the middle of all that um but hey that's no excuse everybody has the same fixture list ultimately to have to deal with at some point in over the course of the season so and, and as you said earlier on we probably are playing with the third or fourth highest budget in the country as well at this moment in time so um yeah um let be interested to see what happens at the weekend. I've got a, I've got a bad feeling about it, um, and I don't even think I want to venture a prediction about what I'm feeling right now. So um, we'll maybe just leave it there. Graham, thanks very much again for joining us uh, this evening. Um, maybe we might have a full compliment for next episode, which will be 151. Thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you're doing your podcast player of choice. We'll be back for episode 151. We'll look back at our game against Hearts. We'll preview the visit of Dundee to Pataudry on Wednesday evening coming. Maybe, who knows, because it's Dundee, so presumably it'll get postponed once again. Um, but there we go. Thanks Did for that. Look forward to seeing you then. I thought it is. Is it Wednesday or is it Tuesday? I have it in for Tuesday. Okay, well, Tuesday evening then. Thank you for correcting me. I have me. been wrong before. Uh, it's not known. Not known. Hmm. Anyway, look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's. £4 pint and Moretti or £5 pint and Fierce any day of the week including match days Siberia is open 7 days a week all year round and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Audrey Stadium for free on match days come on you Reds